Hi, everybody. Welcome to my podcast, Bridging the Gap, Real Estate for Women. Once you stand in your truth, I think, and in your authenticity, things start to happen. And, you know, even with Mood and Space, my new development consultancy, so much has happened in the time where I said, I'm going to stand, like, stand out and say, I'm doing this. And I've gotten so much so much positive response, so much opportunity. And, you know, I don't know if I would have met you in the same way. As a woman in real estate, I know firsthand that women are underrepresented and still tentatively venturing into real estate investing. While that is slowly changing, my goal is to propel it forward. We can do this. I'm Atara Tversky, an attorney and real estate sponsor and investor from New York City. I'm so happy to be here today with Hannah Usandina, all the way from the UK. Hannah is the founder of BWRE, which is an acronym for Black Women in Real Estate. Hannah started BWRE as a way to connect with other Black women in the property industry, as she struggled to find women like herself in her immediate network. She is passionate about racial and gender equality and hopes the group will help Black women connect and support with one another. Hannah, it's great to have you here. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you so much, Atara. It's great to um, meet you and to be on the podcast. Yes, I'm so excited to have you here. I love what you're doing because I think in general, there's a shortage of women in the field of real estate, but you've kind of niched it even a step further in what you're doing. And I'm curious as to what was um, really the impetus for this and how did you get involved in this and what made you decide, hey, I want to do a group for Black women and women? I got to a level in my career where, you know, I was looking around and um, there weren't many Black women in the industry that were in my immediate network day to day and or even above me or coming in beneath me. And I started to, to have a sense of isolation generally about like what the makeup of the industry was and where I f- fit into it. Um, so at that point, I was working on a project on the Olympic Park. It was, um, you know, 2000 homes in well, East London. Yes, yeah. So East, like East London, um, of, of people that might know, is like extremely diverse. It's uh, majority ethnic minorities, but London as a city is actually forty five percent ethnic minorities. But the team of people who are sitting around designing new neighbourhoods, regenerating what are uh, typically like areas of lower socioeconomic background, and so that's where typically the ethnic minorities are. So the, the teams of people designing it, making decisions, changing it, typically don't look like the communities that they're coming in to change, and they don't know necessarily always how to connect with those communities. And I just found myself being slightly frustrated by the continued like lack of representation that I was finding in my team and in the in the, the consultants that I was appointed to do these projects. Um, um, and I was just, I just got to a point, I was like, I want to meet other black women. I want to see where these ladies are. There must be more. So I went on LinkedIn and I did a LinkedIn stalk and I found. Like, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really um, not for professional people, I believe. I said like LinkedIn is like a, notches everything up. Yes. It's like yes. all the time. You can like be midnight in your 
you know, pajamas at a conference. <laughs> Honestly, like I love, I love LinkedIn for that. There's so much to learn, so many people to connect with and so much like amazing industry news. But it was like, for me, it was the tool to find other people who look like me and other black women in the industry. And so I invited them for dinner and that's where it started. And so we started meeting regularly and it became that um, I like to say the anecdote to the white male club where, you know, women in the industry now had other women that they could connect with, other women that they could speak to, call on, ask for careers advice, ask for support with their um, with their professional qualifications and really create a sisterhood out of that. Um, and yeah, and it's grown. Uh, last week, we actually did a campaign called I Am Women, where we highlighted five black women in the industry and part of the black women in real estate. Um, and um, we spoke about their stories, their journeys as to how they got into the industry and what they're doing now. And it's had such a powerful response from the industry so far, um, because so often these stories aren't highlighted, these stories aren't discussed, and we're pulled out, like, you know, Black women typically are pulled out for their diversity as, as women and Black and their intersectional, intersectionality. Um, and less so for just the fact that they're amazing professionals who are smashing it day to day. So that's been, it's been amazing to be able to do that as well. I think that's great. And I think that we can't lose sight of the fact that when we're building, um, when we're in the field of real estate, we're really building community and homes, right? Mm. Women are at the heart of the home. I mean, that's just the way it is. And so to not include women and Black women in this conversation in a real way, but to have men be, um, you know, architects and designers and setting up everything without the women having a say and a voice and a vision is really missing so much of what really needs to be done, wouldn't you say? Yeah, you know, like, I think it's so important to remember representation matters, but also like people, diversity of thought and diversity of perspective really does matter. And it's really impossible to design um, a well thought out space um, for, and communities for everyone when it's only coming from one type of person and or one type of you know socioeconomic group it really does require so many different types of voices so many different types of diversity to sit around the table and allow those perspectives of how the spaces and buildings and homes will be used because that's how you get to better um, better buildings and better communities and you know communities impact so much more than just the built space you know it impacts wellness mental health it impacts access to uh, to jobs. It impacts um, you know you know the environment, and so we need to be really considerate about how we are going about delivering these, and who's around the table to help us consider all of the facets of as to what we're impacting in in society. Yeah, absolutely. So you sit on a community local. Am I correct? I was on the board of E16 CLT, which is a community-led housing um, company. And so effectively, it's a group of local people within the community lobbying for land from the local authority to deliver community-led housing. And so what that means is that the community will deliver the homes for themselves and then rent it out or sell it to the people in the local community at affordable prices. Because in the UK, typically local authorities up until recently lost their powers to deliver homes. And so you have the likes of um, large-scale developers coming in to deliver some of the 
as affordable uh, and the rest private sale but in that a lot of the people are displaced in the communities and so the, the groups like the E16 CLT and others in London um, have been uh, provided with grant from the uh, uh, Greater London Authority to help deliver community-led developments and so it's the, the idea is to really make sure that there's space within the communities that people are living in for them to still stay there through this group. I mean, the the scale isn't there yet, but I think the premise and the ide ideology around it is really important to make sure that the people who want to stay in their communities aren't priced out. Yes, I think yeah. that is important. And I think everything um, takes time, right? It yeah. doesn't, you have mm. to have staying power, right? And yeah. And really stick to something in order to see it through and to see it grow because yeah. that's, a lot of fortitude. Um, so tell me if we could back up a bit to mm -hmm. how you really began in this industry. Yeah. So um, I, I'll i tell you what I do now because <laughs> I'm still yeah. getting used to the, the title of entrepreneur. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a managing director and founder of Mood and Space, which is a development consultancy. So I focus on community, um, community first and social value in the development process. And historically, I've worked on large regeneration projects. So before I left to set up my own business, I was working at Balfour BT, um, which is a large infrastructure company. Um, so it's one of the largest in the UK, and there's a, they have um, some branches in the US. They're the company doing the LAX, um, the airport re, uh, regeneration project. Um, so on that, while working there, I was working on, and I mentioned it before, the Olympic Park, where it was 2,000 new homes, two new neighbourhoods, um, uh, like commercial, non-residential floor space, new parks. Um, and it was it kind of like have, I've been building up to that and then intend to hopefully deliver more at, the, at, like a, at a bigger scale. Um, and so prior to that, I was working again in East London on another regeneration project, um, which was a thousand homes uh, across five phases. Uh, it was a town centre led regeneration. So it was majority uh, commercial spaces. Um, and, you know, we had like anchor units and a consideration of built to rent and um, extra care. So senior living homes as well as affordable. And then prior to that, I was uh, working um, on another regeneration project in uh, Elephant and Castle, as well as working on a couple of other delivery projects between all of those through my through the lifetime lifespan of my career um but generally now what I really just would love to do is continue to take all the learning I've had on working on large-scale regeneration projects in inner city London and help people deliver their projects with a community first approach and really deliver social value and see how we can bed in and weave in into existing communities um, and still creating the profit margin that's needed, but ensuring that society is still taken care of and the environment, for sure. yeah, definitely. So that's uh, that's a bit about me. Mm. There's like a real social impact piece to what you're yeah. doing. Mm. Yeah, I personally love because, you know, I know you're in the UK, so a lot of listeners who are in the US might be saying, well, what's really the synergy to what I'm doing here in the US? But <laughs> I think there's a lot of synergy because as a multifamily um, investor, basically what I like to do is to come into communities, like you're saying, and again, treat it like people live here. These are residents 
and their home and what their surrounding looks like has such an impact on, on the children who live there, the people who function and, and live there. And now more than ever, people are even working at home. So it's really something that is of paramount importance. And how can we make that community better? And that's through doing a lot of community things and through a lot of betterments of the physical property and, and the social aspect that goes into building a community also. So I think that what you're doing really has a lot of applicability across, across the, the globe. Thank you. Yeah, I like to believe so. You know, community is something that we can we can say is international, you know, like obviously everyone has their different cultures and personalities and different ways of doing things, but um firstly everyone lives and um and occupies spaces uh if either it's through work or hospitals or through school and so where a building is there's community and there's a collection of people and so i think that that thread is global so understanding how we we impact people through the built environment is firstly very important, but how we can do it more positively is where I think we need to start having a conversation because like you said, you know, it's so important to really consider the, the, the social elements of a building and the community. Yeah, absolutely. So um, walk me back. So what, when you graduated um, from university, were you immediately drawn to the, the world of real estate and property? Was that something you said, hey, I, I want to be in this field? Or did you circuitously come to it? Well, I studied architecture uh, as an undergrad, only did part one. And then I went to work in Nigeria for um, just under a year. Um, and while I was working in Nigeria, the, the way they operate is as architect and project manager. And I couldn't stand doing the drawings and <laughs> <laughs> so you know like the the um the drawings part just was not something I wanted to do and it's funny because I, st I spent three years in art um, during architecture I had spent um four years prior to that like doing courses that led me to be accepted into the university wow. and it got to a point where I was like now sitting there on AutoCAD doing the detailed drawings and um, counting the number of doors and windows on a development site. I just said, this is not for me. So, <laughs> so, but what I did learn is that I loved being on site. I loved watching um, concrete get poured and climbing up scaffolding. Um, and so I came back and said, okay, well, let me see if I can have a career in like the project management side. And actually it just kind of so happened that I just, I think I'm naturally entrepreneurial. And so it went from being just the management of the building to wanting to do front from the beginning right to the end. And that's like understanding how the numbers work on a land and how much we can get on the land and then getting all the permissions needed to deliver it and get in the the architect to design something that is really considerate and uh, maximizes the potential for the site um and then getting the contractors on board getting the financing on board selling off assets that you know we we as developers don't want to hold on to and so uh, in some instances it will be the affordable housing or the commercial uh, or the btr if that's not something that we do and so i just kind of like evolved into wanting to know as much as possible about the built environment environment but just not wanting to draw it <laughs> so yeah well, it's, but it's so great to me to hear this story because there is such a great lesson right First of all, lesson number one is that you should never feel stuck to something or wedded to something that isn't right for you. Yeah. Even 
even if you've done it for four years, right? Like there's always an opportunity to say, this isn't for me. And I envision myself elsewhere. Yeah. And I think weight lesson, because I think, um, you know, people generally, so it's not just men or women, but I think women tend more to feel like, you know, if I started down a path, I have to continue on this path. Mm. Right. So yeah. I, yeah. it's harder to like get out of that mindset. So I love that you did that. And then I think the other lesson is that when you free yourself to do something that is more suited to you, doors really do open for you. Yes. Right. I could, I think that point is something I could just like reinforce once you stand in your truth, I think, and in your authenticity, um, things start to happen. And, you know, even with mood and space, my new development consultancy, so much has happened in the time where I said, I'm going to stand like stand out and say I'm doing this and I've gotten so much so much positive response so much opportunity and you know I don't know if I would have met you in the same way if not for the fact that I said I'm going to step out and do something that's slightly different and people said oh you're so brave why did you do it and every time I hear that and I think you know fine it might be brave but actually it feels right it feels natural to me. And in that moment, I, I felt like I'll be betraying myself self if I didn't do it, if I didn't step out of what was a very comfortable job. Um, yeah, so definitely reinforce that fact is when you step out, when you do something just that is true to you, so much could happen for you. I yeah. really like a number one lesson to, to teach, mm. teach our children, but to teach ourselves, right? Yeah. You know, it is hard to, to sometimes break free from everything that you know to start something new. So I, I, I definitely commend you. Um, so what do you think the next steps are, for Hannah? Wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, um, I hope <laughs> such big questions. No, um, well, I am really focusing on mood and space and the development consultancy, and I'm focused on um on identifying how we can embed social value as part of the development process. And I really want to start presenting that back to the industry. So I'm working on a number of research projects um, at the moment to help really provide that data uh, to back up the premise. I'm I'm working on a number of uh, projects at the moment uh, within London uh, to deliver a a range of uh, size um, projects. residential projects and uh, working on a couple of proposals uh, to deliver um, large-scale regen projects also. But the main thing is I'm putting myself out there and I'm believing in all the successes that will come. Um, And then for Black women in real estate, just continue to watch that grow. You know, for me, it's really important to keep highlighting the Black Black women and members within our group who are just amazing people who have who should have been given the opportunity to shine despite their gender despite their race and the other thing I'm doing now with, with black women in real estate specifically is um hosting what I call bold spaces where it's intimate conversations with senior leaders and CEOs within companies and some of the black women to de- to to humanize the process of um of like uh, DEI and diversity and inclusion and break down the walls around, you know, oh, I don't know any 
people who are diverse or from ethnic minority backgrounds and, and start to remove it as a tick box exercise and a KPI, but actually have conversations with people who have probably had similar life experiences as them. They just have never been given the opportunity to meet along their journeys. And I believe that when we start having those kind of interesting conversations, then we start to really tackle the issues around and obstacles around diversity. So that's something that I'm working on with Black Women in Real Estate. And like I said, with in space I this I'm working on a number of projects already but I'm excited to keep growing the business and seeking more help the thing that I didn't think I would need so soon was you know to hire people and that's exciting um to yeah this is exciting because it means there's enough work um and yeah and I'm looking forward to just kind of continue to grow that space because this conversation around social value social impact and community focused development is so important it really is. I'd love if you could give me an example of a social impact um, that you like to implement, like tangible. Yeah, so a really great example is on my last just a project I've just left on the Olympic Park. Um, one of the things that we have done that I think was just extremely impactful was set up a, a fund for charities. So it was a grant that was provided to local charities within the communities that was to go back into um, to schools and for young people. And so the those charities you know, they having the access to the funding meant that they can support more people within the community. So it wasn't just the standard funding that they were getting from their, their typical lines, but it was additional funding that we were providing. The other thing we did was we set up a, a, a fund, but it was it's a, it's a multi-million pound fund for local businesses within the area. And so we had, like, before I left, we had disseminated about... Um, 250,000 of that to local small businesses. And it was, uh, I guess, their fund of last resort. So we had a, we had just assumed we weren't going to be getting that back. And that was really important because it meant that we weren't target, like we weren't like we weren't seeking the same standards as, as banks, but we were helping businesses who, especially during COVID, were struggling to mm. access funds and stay open um the other thing that we did was we increased the the rates so we have apprentices on our site so we increased the rates that we were paying apprentices because the standard rate is quite low um and it meant that a lot of people were struggling either to get to the to the site to to work uh, mm. but also yeah so but also it meant that we, you know, we weren't getting people stay on. So the retention was low because people couldn't sustain the salary they were getting. And so increasing that meant that there were more people who were able to stay on. And we we're actually able to capture more, more diverse group of people onto the site and keep them there and continually train them up. And it's really important because some of these people are coming from quite distant and they need, they need a, a good salary to actually like, um, to commit to the job and commit to the training. So some, these are just some of the examples, but you know, the other things that we've di we did, like on that project, we, we built up a, a community, uh, we, we helped relocate a mobile garden. We redecorated a community facility. We provided uh, voluntary support. So a lot of the staff members will go into a senior community center, will help them with their IT. Um, and yeah, so, and, and then 
like as part of the wider park, there was always events. And so we'll set up a, a stand and we'll do, um, we, we inadvertently teach young people. So when I say young people, I mean like under five years old to about the ecosystem of a house. And so they'll be given a little paper to do their colorings. But at the same time, we're telling them about solar panels and wind farms. And it was a really great interactive way to meet and speak to the community. So the, I think these are some of the things that you can do and embed in the process. But I think there's so much more you can do in terms of like long-term engagement with community facilities and employ like employing people local yeah which actually you know even if you're paying more when the quality of service goes up you're actually saving money in the long run yeah 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 you so you're saving money but you also like you you've got like you've committed people then like instead yeah. of like you know, people, you you have more like you're more likely to have people stay on your project instead of having a lack of resource around when you pay them well. And they really will like they really do um, stay loyal. Yes, yes. They're what you're doing. They care. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're doing such great work. It's been such a pleasure have you on and to talk about this. And I think there is such a need for uh, women in real estate, which is the impetus for my podcast and black women in real estate. I I love that you've really niched down on that because I think that together we're, we're more powerful when we care, when we care and when we show camaraderie, that's, that's when things really happens. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I think, you know, your podcast is so needed to have these conversations and I've loved hearing some of the other um, other episodes as well. So, yeah, I, I think what you're doing is great and I'm so glad we were able to connect. Yeah, absolutely. Tell my guests, please, I'm going to put it in my show notes. Where can they find you? So for Black Women in Real Estate, you can find us on LinkedIn and on Instagram. For Mood and Space, you could also find us on LinkedIn and Instagram. And um, and like Atara said, you can find me at Hannah Afolabi Neosandina on LinkedIn. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye for now. Yeah. Bye.